Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Have you checked the children? children. I want to play a game. The box. You opened it. We came. This is the All America Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined here with Donnie, hey. Will, hey. and the Professor Smoke. What's up? And we are here to celebrate kind of our new year. You know, we just celebrated our fourth anniversary on Halloween this past Monday. So to, to celebrate, what better way than just, you know, go ahead and pulling out one of the big guns. Uh, one, of the, one, of, one of the biggest or most popular, most famous, however, you know, however you want to phrase it, horror movies of all time. George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead from 1978, the one that really um, kind of redefined zombie movies. I mean, like, if Night of the Living Dead kind of made the the modern zombie movie, like that kind of started it, right? This is the one that kind of went, took it from zero to 60. Um, wouldn't you, is that a safe assumption, Smoke? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the one that, because uh, we talked about Grindhouse Gutter and a few things where there were some movies that came out before Dawn of the Dead, after Night of the Living Dead that were kind of influenced by Night. But they didn't really pick up steam until Dawn of the Dead came out and just did like gangbusters everywhere, especially in Europe. And then after that, you had yeah, yeah, the, the floodgates were open for imitations and and whatever, you know, all down the line. So I'm pretty sure it's safe to assume that this one's in uh, our all of our top five, if not definitely top ten lists, in one form or another, somewhere on the you know in that ranking, kind of a, a Mount Rushmore-ish type of flick for sure. Which, you know, I, I don't want that to overly influence probably what our ratings will be at the end of this. <laughs> but it's safe to assume, right? I mean, I don't think any of us are going to really hate on this too much. Uh, mm. But, but you know, as we usually do in the Spook Show style, we'll, we'll have some fun with it as well once we get into talking about the film itself. So uh, have no fear. We just won't be, uh, you know, shining this thing nonstop. I'm sure we'll have a few things to point out. But uh, it, we'll really be scratching the bottom of the barrel to, to really like knock it, you know, so, <laughs> just know if that happens, you know, we're, just, we're it's, it's in good spirits. It's in good fun. And, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to the ratings and our thoughts, our ultimate thoughts and everything toward the end with our gore score, kill count, Donnie's connections from the crypt. Uh, if you're, if you're just listening to us for the first time, we appreciate it. And we also want to remind you right off the top, we are a spoiler filled podcast. So for whatever reason you're listening to this and you have not seen Dawn of the Dead, the original from 1978, just go ahead and hit pause. Go check the movie out. Trust me. You need to see it for yourself. And then come back and listen to the rest of this. So um, before we get into it, though, I'll go ahead and throw out some of the usual information. We just launched, literally on Halloween, on our fourth anniversary, quote-unquote, show, yep. our all-new all website, aaspookshow.com. That's kind of your one-stop shop for everything. Our, our Patreon, our YouTube, uh, everything that we do. Uh, um, it's all there. Pretty simple site to use. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we, we worked hard on it and, uh, it, it came, it came out looking pretty good. So we encourage you to go check that out and subscribe to our Patreon. 
and everything. And of course, of course, as usual, we've got the links to everything down in the link tree link down in the show notes. And of course, like I said, over on the website, so it's all there. We encourage you to please to go check it out and like us in the various many ways that we have and all the various programs and stuff we have on YouTube, all that stuff can be found there. So uh, without any further build up, I'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for Dawn of the Dead. In 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Not that room! Not that room! Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. This situation must be controlled before it's too late. They are multiplying too rapidly. Dawn of the dead. Meet me on the roof at nine o'clock. Get out. I don't believe We're it. We're going to get out in the chopper. We've got to survive. Somebody's got to survive. They kill for one reason. They kill for food. They eat their victims. Imagine, if you will, that something has gone terribly wrong. Shoot it, man. Now, except the fact that there's no escaping the horrible consequences, George Romero brings back the dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. We must not be lulled by the concept that these are our family members or our friends. They are not. They will not respond to such emotions. Operator dead. Post abandoned. You may never get out of the room. It's everywhere. What the hell is it? Looks like a shopping center. One of those big indoor malls. What are they doing? Why do they come here? Some kind of instinct, memory, what they used to do. This was an important place in their lives. We've got a war. I'm afraid. We have spawned our own savagery. Soon it will consume us all. It is a horrible, hauntingly accurate vision of the mindless excesses of a society gone mad. They must be destroyed on sight. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. We are down to the line, folks. We are down to the line. Dawn of the Dead. All right, there's that. So uh, we're not going to go into the, is this the first time you've watched this thing? Because I know for a fact <laughs> all of us have seen this one a number of times. So... There's really no need to waste any time with that. But we'll go ahead and get into the background because there's plenty of background to go over here. I have a few titles, but all of them are kind of various versions of the same kind of title. Uh, I found Zombies, B-I-E-S, as a working title for the movie. And it was also the title that it was released under in Belgium. Then it was Hmm. released as Zombie, you know, B-I-E, in Germany. But Zombie... B-I, no E on the end, in Italy and Turkey. (laughs) And then it was just known as The Zombies in the Philippines. And in the UK, it was called Zombies, Dawn of the Dead. And then, of course, the complete title of the film is George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead. So that's a lot of variants of kind of the same thing. 
Um, but th- I think that's why it kind of led to some of the confusion in Italy and whatnot, right? Smoke with the t- calling this zombie, and then it was zombie two, and there was some weird stuff going on with that, right? Yeah, there was a because zombie in Italy, Z O M B I. For those who, now, I don't speak Italian fluently by any means, but I do speak fairly fluent Italian horror. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that, that encyclopedia of horror movies that was on the library of the professor and that, that copy that you picked up, you know, how it lists Italian movies in its original title. And then it'll list all the altered titles. I mean, I pretty much memorized a lot of these movies titles. So, and I knew what the title meant and, you know, in English and all this stuff, but, the, but zombie with an I is just a plural of zombies in Italian, putting an I on the end of it makes it plural. So, so it was called zombies in the other countries, kind of cute, pretty much all of Europe. It was some form or other was called zombies. With the S, generally. Uh, but yeah, Fulci put out Zombie 2, which was Zombies 2, which would be the English translation. But in in uh, America, since there was no zombie, you know, Dawn of the Dead was released as Dawn of the Dead, they called Fulci's movie Zombie in America. So yeah, that definitely leads to <laughs> a lot of confusion, especially in the days before the internet when you were, you know, scouring the video store shelves trying to figure out stuff, what's going on here. Yeah, or if they reference this movie as Zombie and you're like, wait a minute, that was Dawn of the Dead, you know, if you're smart enough to <laughs> yeah. link the two together. Um, yeah. But it debuted September 1st, 1978 in uh, Torino, Italy. That was the premiere of the film. Uh, then it actually released there in Italy before it did here. Uh, best I can tell, roundabouts, it opened up here April 7th, 1979 at the USA Film Festival. Then it kind of got a, sl- a slower, wider rollout as the weeks went by after that. It uh, opened up in Pitts- Pittsburgh, like a number of theaters in the Pittsburgh area. Then it opened up in New York City and then Los Angeles and then, you know, more and more screens as it went along. Um, it was uh, produced by the Laurel Group, and it was distributed by United Film Distribution Company. Uh, it's an unrated film, total runtime of two hours and seven minutes, uh, and on IMDb it's listed as a horror slash thriller. Now, there are different cuts of the movie out there, right, Smoke? Yeah, there's the... Romero gave the rights to Argento because Argento was involved with uh, with uh, the making of it in certain capacities. Uh, for, first of all, he had Romero fly out to Rome and write the script to it in Rome, Put him up in an apartment, him and Romero's wife, Christine Romero. And uh, they wrote Dawn of the Dead there in Rome. And then he gave Argento the rights to cut it however he wanted to. And he pared it down a little bit. So I think the Italian cut is what, like 119 minutes, just shy of two hours. And he cut out a little bit of that characterization that was going on that just kind of made it a little bit tighter as far as the action scenes go. And there's also just slightly a bit more gore. Because the Romero didn't you I mean, not that Romero tried to intentionally cut any gore out, but I don't, I don't know if you've seen any of Romero's editing style. And you probably did, Josh, when you watched Document of the Dead. He edits his movies. Well, this time he edits the movies himself. He'll have that editing film change just like strung out. Just, and he's got leader going to here and there. And he's got five or six different strips hanging behind him. And he'll turn around and grab one and throw it on. So, I mean, that style of editing is probably bound to miss a few things here and there. So I think there's a little bit of gore scenes that got unintentionally left out of Romero's cut that that uh, that when Argento was given all the film elements, he put some of those in there. So if you watch those two back to back, you'll notice a bit more gore, slightly a bit more gore in the Argento cut than in the uh, Romero one. Not to mention Romero used library music a lot. Romero uh, Argento brought on the band Goblin to do the soundtrack and he gave Romero Goblin, you know, to use however he wanted to. And Romero used some Goblin tra- you know, tracks or whatever, and then he, but he used a lot of library music. Uh, in the Argento cut, of course, he didn't use any library music. He used all the Goblin soundtrack. So if you're a fan of Goblin, it probably would do you to watch the, you know, the uh, Argento track, Argento cut, because you'll get more of Goblin soundtrack. You'll get just slightly a bit more gore. 
and then the third cut, right, which was the it's it's you'll hear it called different things. You'll hear it called director's cut, which is totally incorrect because uh, Romero always preferred his cut, which was that theatrical two hour and seven minute cut. That was his preferred one. So uh, the producers, I guess maybe Richard Rubenstein, I'm not sure who was involved with that producer's cut. Took a lot of that those uh, that footage I was talking about that Romero didn't use for whatever reason that included some gore and actually included a little bit more characterization and I believe it comes it clocks in at like 135 or 139 minutes so wow. significantly more than uh than, than the Romero theatrical cut and all but the downside of that for me is that he didn't use any goblins uh, whoever cut that that one together didn't use any of Goblin's soundtrack just used the library music so uh, I kind of like I prefer if I had to take a choice, it would be the one I saw first. It would be that theatrical cut that uses some of Goblin, some of library music, even though you're missing just a little bit of the gore and a little bit of characterization from the uncut print. So, but I, I still think that one edges it out because I just don't like I don't like the whole movie without any of the Goblin soundtrack. So, so that super long 139 minute cut, yeah, it's cool to watch, and I, I'll watch it from time to time. But I, I miss having Goblins like throbbing in a sort of electronic progressive rock score in there. I think that definitely helps the movie. Now, Smoke, you were the only one to go check out this new 3D cut that just came out. Uh, it, it, it came out like right before Halloween, and then they ended up extending the run, uh, at least until this past weekend. Um, and like I said, I believe you were the only one of us four that got to go see it. So what do you think of that? Yeah, the, so the, <laughs> as if we didn't have enough cuts, right, of, of Dawn of the Dead. Now that adds a <laughs> technically, really, that that's the fourth cut, but really that's kind of like the fifth cut. And I'll go into that a little bit later, why there's another cut out there. But, but yeah, the 3D version... It is the theatrical cut, but they just added the 3D effects to it. And it's, uh, for me, it was worth seeing because I'd never seen it on the big screen before. And so that was great. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, as this episode goes on, I'll, we'll get to the importance of this movie to me. So uh, I'll just kind of leave it at that for the moment. But uh, yeah, it was definitely crucial that I see it on the big screen. So I was going to see it regardless of what whatever version they put out there. So. Technically, I mean, really, though, I wish, I wish it would have been just the standard 2D remastered version because... Uh, the only negative I can say about the 3D version is that it kind of—I guess maybe it lost some of the color palette. Because anybody who watches Dawn of the Dead, even back in the VHS days, watching it, you notice the color palette on this thing is like—I mean, he was trying to make it like a comic book, and he said that himself in a few different interviews that it was supposed to come across sort of a comic book version, almost like a dry run for a creep show. Even though he didn't use that type of lighting he used for creep show, which made it even more like a comic book. But the flow of the movie was supposed to be like a comic, and the color palette, the zombies were like, you know, grayish green blues, and the reds were bright red blood and all this stuff. So, I mean, it lost some of that in that 3D. I guess it's because of that 3D effect they applied to it. It was very muted, the colors were. So the 3D effects themselves, though, were kind of cool in certain areas. Like when they're in the mall, you get a little bit of spatial depth because, you know, those long shots that Romero would use in the mall from the first floor down to the second floor from just a wide shot with zombies in the background and all this stuff. That was kind of cool to see that depth perception of it just got add a little bit more dimension to it i guess and then there's a couple of scenes of actual blatant 3d that kind of worked because uh if you remember the pie fight scene part way through the movie getting more than halfway through i guess right mm. there you know you, just, you see i hit a hit a zombie in the face and they kind of he would go pov into the camera originally when they recorded it that's what he did pov at the camera or then when he's squirting that little uh seltzer bottle in the zombie's faces with the pie you know he went right at the camera and hit it so they would enhance that 3D effect with, I guess, some digital water would splash out. So it's almost like you're getting a little bit of that modern 3D of the water coming at you or the pie. Or like there's a couple of cool zombie headshots when he was looking through the scope of the gun. And uh, you see the zombies, you know, you see the bullet go in the front or come out the back or whatever. So there was 
some of that brain matter and blood would splatter towards you too. So some of that was pretty cool, but overall, I, I just kind of wish it would have been the 2D remastered version, but definitely was worth it. At least I got to see it on the big screen. Finally. Um, so the movie was filmed September 30th of 1977 through March 8th of 1978. Now, uh, I learned when I watched that document of the dead that, uh, Roy Frumkiss had worked on, you know, that we, I guess we all kind of took a few minutes to watch at least some of it. Um, that apparently they, they took off, uh, from shooting during the holidays, like during the month of December, yeah, it was like a couple of months they yep. took off. They didn't want to yeah. keep pulling the Christmas, uh, decorations down in the mall. So they're just like, you know what? Let's just take a few yeah, weeks off. Wasting precious filming time doing that. Yeah. 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 So that, that's <laughs> so I, why it was such a long shoot, but, uh, yeah, that, yeah. That it filmed from the end of September of 77 through Mar- mid-March of 1978 there at the Monroeville Mall in Monroeville, Pennsylvania. And there were some other shots around the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania general area. Uh, best I could tell for a budget of $650,000. And uh, depending on your sources and where you're looking at, it looks like it, it basically come, came up with a worldwide gross in the end of about $66 million. So either way, that's yeah, that definitely is success. successful. That's success with a capital S, no doubt about that. <laughs> now, and it was his, his biggest budget at the time, I think, of when he made this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though, so, you know, you think six hundred fifty thousand is nothing today in today's terms, really. But I mean, yeah, at that good. time, and it was still technically low budget, right? Because I think, yeah, you know, Hollywood yeah. movies hitting well over a million, two million, whatever. It was funny when they, were, when they were talking about that in the document of the dead, where he it sounded like he was kind of like, oh my god, you know, with this budget, you know, this is there are things oh, that yeah. I can do and everything. <laughs> Meanwhile, you find out it's only six hundred fifty grand, but. You know, if you're yeah, and he was. He said he was paranoid about it, right? That he was got kind of, you know, because he hadn't worked with that much money before. And yeah, he wasn't, yeah. You know, that, so it's kind of scared of squandering it or of not being able to, or whatever. You know, <laughs> it, it really, it really makes you inter- uh, um, or at least makes me interested in, to see what he could have been able to do in his uh, filming prime. You know, say like the years between night and say the mid '80s or something after Dawn of the Dead or something. What he could have done with like a serious big time budget. You know, I mean, yeah, he yeah, really could have made something really good on Dawn of the Dead because uh, that's that was a key thing because he did go on to mainstream, but you know, as he has said himself in interviews, his time, his early days with Hollywood weren't that successful for him or weren't that great for him because he couldn't do what he wanted to do. Yeah. So with Rubenstein, the producer, and he and this was also in that document of the dead, he was basically Rubenstein saying we ran this like a European type, you know, just it's like a European film. We basically, you know, I see my producer role as I provide the director with what he needs to create his vision. And I give him, you know, give him the, the money he needs for that, the, the people he needs, whatever he needs. And then he just does whatever he wants to do with it and gives me the product. You know? Rather than the producers like Hollywood system going and saying, no, nah, you can't do this. Can't have that. You need to do this. You need to have this actor. You need to, you know, so he was, he had the creative freedom to do what he wanted to, but yeah, it would be great to see him have, have had the budget and those producers to let him do whatever the hell he wanted to do. I think the closest he probably got was Creep Show, right? Even though that his hands were kind of tied a little bit with that too. But yeah, yeah, the six hundred and fifty thousand in today's money would be uh, roughly three million dollars. So yeah, you you could see where that would have felt like a lot of money. Not to say there's nothing sneeze at now, right? But yeah, for a major motion picture, that's not much. So. Yeah, but yeah, comparing yeah. it that way, you can see how he would feel that way. Um. It went on to win a couple of awards and nominated for a couple others, nothing big, but it did win the Golden Screen Award in Germany in 1980, and it won a Saturn Award years later in 2005 for Best DVD of a Classic Film Release. Uh, It was nominated in 1980 uh, for a Saturn Award 
for best makeup by Tom Savini, but I'm not sure what won it, but it didn't win. And it was also nominated for a satellite award in 2005 for best overall DVD. That same release that won, uh, the other, uh, Saturn award. So yeah, it did a couple of accolades, but yeah, I mean, needless to say that, I mean, this, this thing was so successful for the amount of money that it, they, they spent to make it versus what it ended up making, you know, just, just great stuff. Um, it was directed, written, and edited by George A. Romero. Now, you know, we've already spoke about Romero at length, and we took a really deep dive on him, literally an entire Spook Show spotlight, all the way back in episode 102 earlier this year. So mm, we yeah. encourage you to go check that out. I believe that was... Night of the Living Dead episode, right? We did night, that was Will's choice, Night of the Living Dead, right? Yeah, I I, and I think we did the spotlight right after that, when we talked about Night of the Living Dead, and then we just took the whole episode to talk, you know, to have the deep conversation on his career. So I encourage you to go check that out. But in this movie, not only did he, did he write, write, direct it, and edit it, but he was also in it. He played two different parts. He was the TV director toward the beginning of the movie, and he was also uh, Nick, the biker in the San, uh, Santa suit, you know, with that raiding, <laughs> <laughs> marauding bike gang that came to the mall. Uh, so he was all over this thing. It was produced by Richard P. Rubenstein, who also worked on Creepshow 1 and 2, Day of the Dead, Tales from the Dark Side, Pet Cemetery, uh, that anthology series, Monsters, um, both versions of The Stand, you know, the one from the early 90s and then that more recent one that just came out within the last few years. And he was an executive producer, I believe, on uh, that, that latest Dune movie that came out, and he's going to be doing the same on the next Dune movie that comes out. Uh, it was co-produced by Dario Argento, who I'm sure will have a spook show spotlight on one of these days. I'm surprised we haven't done it yet. But we will eventually. So, uh, Will, that's one of your guys, right? Suspiria. Um, <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Deep Red, Two Evil Eyes. I mean, the, the list goes on and on for Dario Argento. But, uh, yeah, it, not often do you get to say these names all at the same time, right? Like George Romero, Dario Argento, Tom Savini all coming together to do. I mean, it's just it's awesome. I just wanted to uh, uh, double back. Um, you had mentioned that Dawn of the Dead did not win. I'm sorry, uh, Tom Savini did not win uh, uh, the Saturn Award for uh, Best Makeup. Uh, the person who did was William J. Tuttle for Love at First Bite. Oh, what the? F- <laughs> All right, I've seen that movie, and I enjoy that movie for what it is. But come on, now that was that should have been Savini's. In the yeah. Movie. Jesus. Yeah, I, I I thought you guys might might find that interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen that one too, and that's wow. Yeah, it seems like th- that came up before when comparing that to something else. There was some other movie that came out around the same <laughs> same time period that we did, and that, and that was we started talking about George Hamilton and stuff in there, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't remember what how what what came up, but that that has come up before. That's interesting, but yeah, either way, that's 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 clown shoes. Um, it stars David M. G. as Stephen. Uh, he he. He would otherwise be known for Basket Case 2, uh, movie Hellmaster. Uh, he hasn't really done much, you know, as far as in, in movies and television past this and those couple things. A few other things, not much. Um, Ken Faree as Peter. He was in From Beyond, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, The Lords of Salem, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, uh, that Dawn of the Dead remake from 2004. He was in The Devil's Reject, so he kind of became like a Rob Zombie guy. You know, over the last handful of years, uh, he was and uh, he had a part, a recurring part in Keenan and Kel, that series that ran in the late '90s on Nickelodeon. 
Uh, Wasn't he the dad of them? <laughs> I, I don't remember, man. It's been so long since I watched that. I, I, but like once I saw that, I kind of remember him being in it. But yeah, uh, he, he was in like I want to say it was like eighty dad. something, ninety something episodes. So yeah, he was all over it. It also stars Scott H. Ring, Ringinger. I think that's how you say Ringinger. I think that's how you say his name is Roger. Uh, he was also in Night Riders. I think that was another Romero movie, right? And uh, yeah, yeah. he he also uh, had a role in the Dawn of the Dead remake from two thousand four. Uh, Galen Ross as Francine. Now we have literally talked about every single one of the movies that she acted in. We, we've done her whole acting filmography now with this Madman and Creep Show. That's it. Um, so if you're only going to do three movies, she picked three pretty good ones, I guess. Uh, although I'm sure she's she, she, in the Dawn of the Dead remake. I think there was a store named after named after in the Dawn yeah. of the Dead remake. One of the mall stores was called Galen or. Or something, or Ross, or yeah, something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't Ross because it's a real story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really reaching. If there was a Ross in there, and you, hey, look, it's Galen Ross. No, that's just a Ross, dude. Uh, although Matt, you know, we just went through her whole acting filmography. I think she kind of disowns Madman, right? Like she didn't even use her real name when she did the movie. So like, uh, you can almost kind of discount Madman. But yeah, there you go. And uh, of course, Tom Savini. Uh, he plays a motorcycle raider. He's kind of like the main motorcycle gang leader, kind of right. Um, he yeah, also the name, they didn't call him by name in the movie, but he no. I guess behind the scenes his name was Blades. Okay, and then uh, Nico Strav- Stravokos, another one of the stunt guy friends of Tom Savini, was a uh, Sledge because he's the one with the sledgehammer that busts the TV oh, or yeah. something. Like that. that you see, it, it <laughs> looks like he's got like a fake wig on with tied around his head. Yeah, yeah. He just keeps yeah, swinging around yeah. hitting things with the sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah. um but he also worked up on worked on the special effects and the makeup of this movie uh you may otherwise know him from uh from dust till dawn machete uh he directed the night of the living dead remake from 1990 so yeah i mean tom savini once again that's another spook show spotlight sooner or later right um roy frumpkis as the first pie and face zombie that's how it's credited <laughs> Uh, he he was the guy that we've talked we've referenced a couple times before. He he made the document of the dead, which is uh, not only just a, a behind the scenes of this movie, but it's it, it's actually really uh, also as well kind of a, a look at Romero's career and 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 you know just kind of the uh, artistic point of view that Romero would take on his movies and how he would write them and how he would put them from page to the screen and everything. So even if you're just into like the not just this movie, but just Romero stuff, and then just how kind of movies come together. It's an interesting documentary to check out. Yeah, and in that documentary, you'll you'll uh, if you didn't already know too, you'll find out about Romero's background in commercial making commercials. Like that's uh, what he did before doing Night of the Living Dead. He had a company called Latent Image that made uh, beer commercials, what all kind of different commercials, but industrial films as well. And like his cutting style, kind of comes from that. Like you know, telling things really quick with action. That's you know. Not the standard style of like staying on the shot for a while, but like getting to the next shot really fast. And, and uh, yeah, you can guys, you can kind of tell that from his, that's from his commercial background. But yeah, Frumkus would also be known as the writer and producer of Street Trash, which, uh, <laughs> yeah, w- which we are about to do on uh, yep. Spook Show Rewind, I think coming up later this month. Yep. Uh, that's, that's the next uh-huh. Spook Show Rewind. I think it's this month, right? No, no, we just did one for November. Oh, it'll be, yeah, December. Yeah, yeah, it'll be the one that comes out in December. But either way, it's coming sooner or later, but yeah. Street Look, Trash Christmas is on the way. It's a gift from us to you. Yeah, street we're, Trash. We're <laughs> Looking forward to uh, to reliving Street Trash again, that's for sure. Go, re- re- return, return of the, to the 
Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> you were about there to you say go. That. Same line at the same time. You owe me a coke. Return, <laughs> return of the junk hole. One of Will's Will's favorite movies that we've done. Yeah, that was an entertaining show. I, I'd say wait till December and watch Rewind, and then after you've done Rewind, Rewind, watch the uh, whatever episode number. And I can't remember. It's early on though. It was episode Where? seven, I believe. Seven. Yeah, I believe so. Because this will be Spook Show Rewind seven when we do that. Yeah, so. All the way back in episode seven, deep in the archives, but it's well worth it. And it's well worth it to go check that movie out. Jesus Christ. Just go. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You need to see it for <laughs> yeah. yourself. Yeah. Uh, start there. If no, if anybody listening to this hasn't seen Street Trash, start there. Yeah. Then watch, or not watch. I say, well, yeah, watch Rewind, listen to episode seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you got a lot of homework to do, but it's, trust me, it's worth yeah. it. You'll um, have a good time no matter what. All three, all three of those will be good. But yeah, that's that's about all I had as far as background stuff. I mean, I'm sure there's tons of stuff that I'm sure will come up along there the way here. Lot. I mean, like, is yeah. there anything else you guys wanted to point out before we dig in? I guess I'll mention one thing. Like, even though we weren't doing our first time watches, this one this one kind of is like an important one for me to do. Actually, do probably the most important for me to do the first time I watched it. And I'll make it quick. But uh, it was uh, like not even remember the year. It was 1985, and as my cousin, we lived close together, and our parents were going out that night or whatever, and we went to the video store to pick out some movies. And I, up to this point, I was a fan of horror movies, but not, you know, a fan. You know, I wasn't like, I didn't know directors' names. I didn't know who Romero was. I, I'd probably seen Night of the Living Dead on late night TV or something. I don't know. But anyways, we were just checking out movies. And, oh, this one looks cool. Dawn of the Dead. I'll pick this one. And then whatever other ones we pick, you know, there's a couple other. There's another important one, but I'll, I'll get to that whenever we do that movie at some point in the future. It was an Italian Even gorier than Dawn of the Dead. So, but... At any rate, though, whenever I watched this movie, it was the goriest thing I'd seen up at that time. And actually, it actually made me a little bit queasy when I saw it. I was 11 years old. <laughs> so, you know, this and this is 1985. So I hadn't seen too much that gory yet. You know? And uh, then the movie we watched after that was, I'll just mention, was an Italian Joe D'Amato movie called Buried Alive. Also known as Beyond the Darkness, which is even more fucked up <laughs> than Dawn of the Dead as far as the gore and just Italian, you know, some nastiness going on in that movie. Uh, yeah, I pretty much needed to get take a shower after that <laughs> one. But, uh, at any rate, I was watching Dawn of the Dead, though, after that, this was the movie that pretty much made me into a more diehard horror fan where I started buying Fangoria magazine. I started paying attention to directors, special effects names like Savini, et cetera, et cetera. Even soundtracks, because I, I love the soundtrack by Goblin that made me pay attention to other similar synth-driven soundtracks at the time. So, yeah, this was a, this was a watershed movie for me when it came to the horror genre. So I don't think anyone would, would classify Dawn of the Dead as somewhat of a gateway horror movie, but for you it was, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like I said, I was, I was I loved horror up to this point, but it just I didn't pay attention to names of directors so much and stuff like that. You know, it was, I was, I'd been a fan of horror since I could, you know, starting off with like the Munsters reruns and Adam's Family as a kid and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. I even remember the one we just mentioned again. Uh, what was it? The, uh, uh, the, the one that won the special effects thing oh, that year that first bite yeah i remember seeing that on tv back in the day too probably well before i ever even saw dawn dead i'm sure and of course but, uh, and of course kiss meets the phantom of the park i mean like <laughs> yes that was, that was an early one there yeah <laughs> saw that that halloween night of that year <laughs> but yeah no this was the one that put that, that i started buying fangoria issues and etc you know went from there not too long after that actually that encyclopedia of horror movies the one that you picked up as well came out in 1986 and it was brand new when I bought it. So that was, and that was really as a result of Dawn of the Dead. It's, so yeah, it definitely was that watershed benchmark horror movie for me. Man, that's really cool. 
intermission, it's intermission. It's intermission, it's intermission. Ice cream, candy, lemonade too. And there's a hot dog waiting for you. The popcorn's popping and it's ready to go. You know all the great food is stealing the show. Get up out your seat and get yourself a tasty treat down at the snack bar. Snack bar. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So as usual, I flipped on over to Audible. I typed in Dawn of the Dead just to see what will pop up, and there we have it. Dawn of the Dead by George A. Romero, Susanna Sparrow, uh, narrated by Jonathan Davis, and that one is just over seven hours long, and that's only on Audible. Uh, We also have The Living Dead by George A. Romero and Daniel Krause. That one is over 27 hours long, so that's a good long listen there for sure. And uh, just one other one here. We've got Dead by Dawn, a novel by Paul Doran. That is the Mike Bowditch Mysteries, book 12. Good Lord, there's 11 other of these things. Uh, and that one's almost <laughs> yeah. nine hours long. So It's like Camp Blood. <laughs> <laughs> good Lord, there's 11 not, more. At least it's not like the Amityville movies where there's like <laughs> literally 38 of these things or something like that. All Amityville. Hey, good Lord. Not to get off on a tangent, but there's a Christmas Amityville coming out called Amityville Christmas Vacation, I believe it was. Yeah, why, why the hell not? They got it. <laughs> We could probably just live on Crapster Peace Theater with the Amityville movies for the next three years. You know, you could just do those, just pick one every month and just, there you go. We would want to shoot ourselves in the head before that. Oh, I'm anyways, sure, yeah. We'd, do it. we'd lose, <laughs> it'd just be like me or maybe one other of you guys and that'd be it. But, uh, but yeah, anyways, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audiobook. All right, so I'm going to hop on over to IMDb and click on plot summaries and see what pops up. And of course, since this is what it is, Dawn of the Dead, there's a lot of them, but I'll read just a few of them. Uh, We've got the simple one. Following an ever-growing epidemic of zombies that have risen from the dead, two Philadelphia SWAT team members, a traffic reporter and his television executive girlfriend, seek refuge in a secluded shopping mall. That's the simple one. Uh, We've got one that's a little longer here. I'll, I'll read that one. I'm sure all these are winners, and I, and I don't I don't want to skip any of the winners. But here we go. This is submitted to IMDb by Lee Horton. Sequel of Night of the Living Dead. It's some time after the dead have started to rise and attack the shocked living, and civilization has started to crumble. In the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA, <laughs> TV station workers Stephen and Francine decide to run as the station worsens, and after meeting Roger and Peter, two special policemen, <laughs> or what a weird way to put it. Ordered to move any people into rescue stations who have also cho- choose to run, steal the station's helicopter, and fly west in an attempt to find a safe place. After several attempts during their flight across Pennsylvania, they find a deserted mega mall in Monroeville, outside Pittsburgh, and decide to wait there until the crisis is over. They clear the mall of the undead and board the entrances up with tractor trailers and then sit down and wait. Can they hold out? Not only against the growing, moaning, and hungry masses of the undead outside, against murderous looters, but most importantly of all, can they hold out and not lose their sanity? Dot, 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 question mark. Uh, last one. This was submitted by Zach H. In this sequel of Night of the Living Dead, it's a few weeks after, or I'm sorry, it's a few weeks later after the events of Night. The situation is getting worse. The two reporters, along with two SWAT team members, decide to steal a helicopter to find a place where they can hide from flesh-eating zombies. 
They find a secluded mall and decide to stop there for the night in order to get some sleep. Then they decide to stay in the mall for much longer and they barricade themselves in a small room while periodically going downstairs to get things they need while defending themselves against the zombies and a biker gang in the meantime. So, I mean, they're all kind of saying the same thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty easy, I mean, for, for something that's, uh, you know, as long as this movie is, it's really pretty easy to explain, right? Like, well, there's a zombie outbreak and these people are hiding in a mall. That's that's as simple as that, right? <laughs> I'm, like I said, we'll, we'll poke some fun at it, but we're not necessarily going to tear this one apart like sometimes we do with these type of movies because I think you can probably guess what our ratings are going to be on it. But still yet, still yet, we'll have we'll have some fun with it. So, where do you guys want to start? Just like right oh, out the man. right out the bat, the chaotic, the cha- the chaos. Yeah, I mean, I would say this. Uh, so, all of us have worked in you know the news uh, industry in some capacity. Yeah. That and I understand it's like yeah zombie outbreak and all that, but yeah news was absolutely chaotic for me. My anxiety could not fucking handle it, and that's why I I wasn't able to hack it. Man. I have spent a lot of years in news, and and so is Will and and Smoke, like you said. Um, it's not like that. It <laughs> that <laughs> that is like over the over the top you know like they're literally on air and there's people just arguing with the people that are on the air you know <laughs> no fuck yeah, you they're not zombies you know oh my god no i literally had a panic attack <laughs> no i i remember having a panic attack during the fucking news and look I, and i can yeah. get that if you know you're kind of prone to those things and like it is a high anxiety type of thing and and, and yeah. especially when shit's going on it can get like that but not like that <laughs> not like that that's extreme right will i mean like have i've never seen arguments break out in the studio no no nothing like that also thought it was funny uh, like later on in the movie where they're interviewing people and for whatever reason they have somebody on camera like just moving the camera around for no reason at all yeah <laughs> I think, I think just because it looked cool for the camera shots, right? I guess. I mean, for their I, I camera guess. shots. I, I guess. Camera. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, this stuff's crazy. Look at this. <laughs> Check this now, now, I will say, too, like, when I worked in TV, it was in various roles, but one of them was Mass Control Operator. So, yeah, I love that Grass Valley switcher there with the T with the T bar thing. You know, like, I don't know. I haven't worked in TV in a while, but I assume that it's pretty much mostly automated. You probably don't even push a whole lot of buttons at Mass Control. I, I mean, probably not as much, not not, exactly. not even as much as say 10 years ago i'm sure yeah because when i came in to it at the station there at nbc it was 99 i believe it was and then things then were still i mean were, things were automation was coming in but you could still use that t-bar and transition and it's still very hands-on and I, I i love that aspect of it and as far as the chaos the most chaos i remember is like some serious weather conditions and things going on where you had you had the supers going across the screen and you had to pull this in, you'd have to pull that in. And occasionally I, there would be the uh, station manager would be in mass control. And all. So there was some, there was some uh, chaotic stuff going on then, but not to the, yeah, not to the extreme of, you know, it wasn't now, a zombie outbreak. So yeah. Now I actually stopped and thought about it, you know, cause you see, a, it's not just at the beginning too. It's a little bit later on when, you know, they show the guys arguing with like a so-called expert in the studio, right. They're just arguing about the situation. So it sounds like yeah. some of them are calling. I was so I was actually thinking about it during that. Like you know, I don't think it would be quite like that. But then again, we've never been in a situation, thank God, where you know the, yeah, that, the world is literally falling apart like that. You know, to that extent, to where like it might be like that. You know, like you might have a couple of people on there trying to be cool and explain the situation rationally, but everyone would be losing their mind. So there probably is some realism, you know, in that regard, right? Yeah. 
Not to mention, you have people like just abandoning it. They're yeah, yeah. abandoning it. The people are they're not going to stay there. This is a zombie outbreak, and a lot of people are going to be like, "Fuck this, I'm out." You know. Yeah, and, and so <laughs> I got family, and I got stuff to take care of. And and societal norms would just go right the fuck out the window. You know, like yeah. it would just it would it literally would be mass chaos, like to the point where honestly, I'm surprised they even got a a, a show on the air. You know, <laughs> it would just yeah. be such chaos. Everybody would just say, "Fuck it," and abandon post. That's probably what would happen. Yeah, I uh, in today's date, I mean, it would it would switch away from anything local. Like everything would be national. Imagine, yeah. yeah, it would it would be your NBC, your Fox, your ABC, whatever CBS taking over control, and you know, they would be disseminating the information. And then if it got really, really, really bad, like it does, you know, in this world, yeah, it might come to that. <laughs> Just people arguing on air. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But either way, it it sets up the chaos. Like you're thrust into the yeah. chaos in this movie with this, um, right from the from the get. It's basically like you're shot out of a cannon. Yeah, and, and it it basically pretty much in a lot of ways. You know, I don't know what kind of amount of time maybe has passed since Night of the Living Dead, right? But for the most part, it pretty much picks up right there from towards the end of Night of the Living Dead, right? Yeah. What was it? One of those things you read, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how accurate where they got the information from, but I think one of those synopsis you read said something like a few weeks after. Yeah. I, I heard like a few weeks and, after. And I can believe it just the way they presented it and the way they were talking and everything. I could definitely believe, you know, especially since we've watched Night of the Living Dead not long ago, you could definitely see this being like maybe a week, you know, days, a week later. Here we are. Mm. Other yeah. than just the fact that like right, everything looked like it was the sixties and now everything looks like the late seventies. Other than the time period. Yeah, yeah. There's right. ten years between the movies. Yeah, yeah. So there's and definitely you, time frame things of you know that you can tell if you're watching the two movies. Yeah. yeah. But as far as what's going on zombie wise, story wise it feels like it's only been a month at most. Yeah, story wise, you're right. It, you know, time wise definitely not. But story wise it feels like pretty much just days, week later. I like how they they brought back the militia as like a little callback from the uh, from the original movie. Yeah. Just oh yeah. The roving bands of yeah. rednecks, kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just going through because you know That's that awesome. would that would definitely happen too. There'd be <laughs> there'd be these small little militias of people that are just going to do it themselves. You know. Yeah. I've seen has a lot of that like that humor that black humor, dark humor, whatever that. Dawn's yeah. known for is that, you know, cause they're like shooting them and they're like, ah, oh, shit, I missed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Got him. laughs> how about doing headshots? Now, now you, you go forward a little bit and there's this rate, there's a, like a police raid on this building. Now I don't know exactly what the hell is going on here. Are the, are the cops raiding the building because there's zombies in there or is there something else? Like this is a drug bus and then it turns into a zombie thing. Like what the hell is going on there? You know, like the guy, Wooly, the maniac cop. <laughs> the well, he's just, yeah, he's, he's just, just off the wall. He's just lost <laughs> his fucking he's mind. Off the rails. You know, going like, crazy ape shit, they said, right? Yeah. He's going to ape And he kicks down but, that uh, door and the straight up blows. What's that? I said he kicks down that door and straight up blows that guy's head off. No question. Like, yeah, like, that dude wasn't even a zombie. He was just like. <laughs> no, he's just, a, he's just standing <laughs> there. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he just went crazy. I think they were initially there, though, to like, were they there to kind of like, I mean, yeah, he went off off the rails or whatever, but I thought they were there to kind of get these people out. They knew the situation that was going on, and that they had these, they were keeping people there, like because they had thrown them. They they were they knew there were an infestation, I guess, of zombies there. So I think they were there to kind of pull these people out to protect them in a way. But yeah, you had the woolly guy going off you know, off the rails. But uh, <laughs> I mean, but also such, there was that gang though. But there was the gang, yeah, that, that was coming out yeah, with guns, like, blazing. It's, and stuff. it's such a confusing, <laughs> chaotic sense. You know, everything's chaos. Once again, like we said, it would be. 
But in this scene, everything's so chaotic. You can't, I can't quite peg down exactly why they were there. Were they there to take out the zombies? Were they there to take out this gang of, you know, I don't know what the hell they were doing. And then they just ran into a room full of zombies that were eating on each other down in the basement that they had to, you know. Yeah. Cause I, I guess that was where the people in the apartment complex were dumping the bodies of their loved ones. Yeah. When they would become zombified, they were guess, like yeah. sending them down the chute, I guess. Yeah. Down sending in the them down the laundry chute and <laughs> they're landing down in the basement. And that, that was <laughs> fucked up though. Right. They have to walk in and just start killing them one by one, you know, with a pistol. Yeah. And like you said, that scene with Wooly or whatever, when he's blasts that guy's head off, that was, I mean, this is 1978. I'm I, the only movie I can maybe think of that was had something similar. And I can't remember. It might've been even after 78. You ever seen the fury Brian De Palma movie? No, no. Well, there's a scene that uh, if, if y'all haven't seen that, I don't want to give this scene away because it's pretty cool and it's pretty, but let's just say that there's a similar type of a, an explosion scene. Okay. Right. <laughs> and I believe I can't remember if that came out before or after at any rate, those two movies are probably the, the goriest of that type of thing that had happened up to that point in time. And afterwards you had scanners. That's probably most people think of a head explosion. That might be the first one they go to a scanners head explosion. Yeah. That's for me personally, that's the first one for me. My favorite is another Savini one is Maniac. And you've seen, I don't know how many of y'all have seen Maniac. I know no, you have yeah. both. I mean, gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. Have you seen Maniac? Yeah, that, yeah, that's head exploding scene of Tom Savini himself getting I was about to basically say, blowing his own Savini, there you go, yeah. <laughs> that's, the common, so, uh, that's the common denominator of Savini there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Dawn of the Dead, that was, I'd rank it number, maybe number two, or at least tied with Scanners, you know. Maniac. Scanners and Dawn of the Dead. That's the three best head explosions. Point is, is it wasn't something you saw a lot of back then. So it was definitely shock, no. shock and awe, at least, right? Like you're watching this and you just see that dude kick down the door and blow a guy's head apart. You know, oh, <laughs> damn. Just like, whoa. Yeah. Like, yeah. Damn, if this is the first part of the movie, I was watching it that first time, man. <laughs> yeah. If, if this is how they start. How, how's this going to keep going? How's it end, right? Right. Um, and right on a little bit further on when they get together in, in the zombie. Uh, uh, the, in the helicopter blades, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did you, yeah. Uh, like, uh, and yeah, I had, I had read something where they chose, like they had cast this guy because he had a particularly low forehead. <laughs> and it's like, so I'm just thinking like, you know, Peyton Manning where you could fit another face on top yeah. of his face. Oh, five head. Yeah. Jeez, man. <laughs> Yeah, that, was hilarious. that guy was interviewed in that uh, document of the dead, I believe. Right. And he said it was like two inches of plastic of, you know, the foam latex appliance was two inches above his head. Oh yeah. Even, and that's it's the other awesome. thing, like, even if you didn't know what was about to happen, you could guess something was, uh, something was up because <laughs> the dude walks up and he looks like half a Frankenstein. Like <laughs> yeah, his, yeah. his head's yeah, all, something's going to happen to this guy. And then whack, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's still a cool yeah, it's still a pretty cool effect like yeah it's funny too i mean like you know he sticks his head up there and then scott right you know reiniger the actor that plays uh what's his name roger. uh roger roger yeah sitting there gassing up the helicopter and then he, you know they're trying to get his attention because he he doesn't see him but the uh Flyboy, which is the nickname for uh yeah, yeah know them by their nicknames and not so much by their regular name <laughs> actor names in the movie or whatever but uh the helicopter, the helicopter pilot, Flyboy, that's what I call him. Uh, they see the zombie coming towards him, but he doesn't. And then he turns around and he, oh shit, he sees him and he doesn't know what to do. And then he just, you know, cuts his head off by accident with the helicopter blades. Awesome. So it was, a, it was a pretty funny damn scene. That was funny. That yeah. seems to happen quite a bit in this movie, right? Where they're like, 
somebody's doing something, they're like, humming, 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 look, look behind you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't see those, that gang of zombies rolling up on you, you know? Meanwhile, they're just whistling, putting gas in the tank, whatever the fuck they're doing. <laughs> uh, how about when they make oh, yeah, that pit stop for gas? Like, how about they, when they make the pit stop for gas and then they, uh, they're zombie kids? Yeah, attack, those zombie kids were uh, Tom Savini's niece and nephew. Yeah, <laughs> it's still fucked up though, right? Like yeah. we talk about <laughs> fucked up kids. things like the head explosion and everything, but like the fact that he had to gun down two children, like that's probably not <laughs> something you would have seen a lot. You don't see that a lot today, much less back yeah. then, right? Yeah. No, that's pretty. Now that that might be something that Romero toned down a little bit because in the the uh, Argento cut and in that producer's cut, there's a little bit more gun you know shooting going on in that scene you know you see him in the theatrical romero cut they he shoots them you know and then they kind of like it cuts to a scene outside or something then it cuts back and they're kind of falling off the couch right? yeah they, so. they kind of cleverly edit around it like because you see it happen but you don't see it happen it's it's quick edits yeah. you know you know enough to know what ex- what exactly what happened but you didn't see it exactly happen so i guess that's you know a good workaround but still it's still fucked up you know when you see it against kids and even though it's zombie kids they're zombies, but still, it's, it's fucking kids, you know. So, <laughs> it is funny that, it, like, as soon as somebody dies, all the blood drains from their face. <laughs> That's kind of the yep. way it is, in, like, even in Walking Dead and stuff, too, right? Like, you know, z- zombie movies, zombie shows in general, like, it's like immediate rot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was what I noted later on. You know, uh, uh, when Roger uh becomes a zombie when roger dies a little bit later on he becomes a yeah. zombie. like he's one of the better looking makeup wise zombies in this movie because most of them are just weird colors yeah. and stuff right and maybe some of them have like their eyes are fucked up and there's some blood or something but if you're just looking at all the zombies when there's a bunch of them they're fairly generic the same looking. yeah th- yeah there's nothing crazy about them but his makeup job on him like once he turns and then he, like, he looks up. great. He like, looks like a raisin. Yeah. <laughs> he died and just <laughs> no, instantly dried yeah. up. But it looks good, though, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it looks like, way better yeah, than he the is, He's definitely one of the most memorable-looking uh, zombies. And uh, uh, Savini even you know, said that uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't terribly happy with the, uh, uh, how the, uh, basically how the horde uh, kind of looked blue. Um, yeah. Said he didn't really intend on it happening, but uh, wasn't terribly happy with it, but... You know, Romero said it kind of, you know, jive with his uh, whole comic book uh, sort of it, feel. It felt it. like they didn't take as much time on, like, makeup for everybody. Obviously, they're not going to take yeah. as much on, like, your random Joe in the mall versus Roger. It's a major, that's a major scene. You know, you're going to make that look better. But it just seemed to me, it's like, all right, well, you got enough makeup. Go, move on. Next. Yeah. Move. Next. You know, <laughs> let's just get some makeup on all these guys and get them walking around weird. And it turns out when you die as, uh, as a zombie, you just hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say a lot of them, you know, they, they all, uh, not all, but a lot of them had the zombie walk down, like the shambling around, that kind of thing. But uh, um, not quite as much as uh, uh, Flyboy, right? When he dies, dude, he plays the perfect zombie as far as... That like, was awesome. As yeah. far as like his leg, like fucking to the side and... Oh, yeah. Now... He had said that, um, I, I believe it was an interview or something. He said that he modeled his walk or his shuffle, um, after, um, the mummy. I can see like, that. Uh, I can see that. Yeah. Like universal, uh, but I like walking on the side of his foot. Like, yeah, it was like just that. like, uh, yeah, it was 
That's yeah, like that, just, that has like previous injury, and I can walk weird this way written all over it. Like you can't bend. Boris Karloff, that's what it was. You yeah. can't bend your foot that way. Like just try to do it. You can't. Like he's he's bent in and out. It's all fucked up. Like he's walking yeah. around on it. And it looks great. He's got the pistol in his hand, just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you can't you can't hold anything. I mean, I guess I wouldn't think like what rigor mortis and shit setting in right in this in this fantasy fantasy scenario. Who knows how it goes yeah. down, but. Yeah, I just thought that uh, th- those were the better ones. Now, those make sense, yeah. right? Because that's two of your main, you know, because there's really only four main cast members in this whole movie. Two of them that die, they are the best, right? So yeah. <laughs> they put yeah. the focus on the ones they needed to put the focus on, is my point, you know, but. Yeah. Yeah, and it was th- they were definitely a little bit more dedicated to their, to their zombie style. Like, even once he uh, got to the fake wall, I mean, like, he's, he's, freaking bought into it man he's like sitting there like licking and trying to bite through the wall yeah and, and you know meanwhile everybody else is just kind of like shambling around and romero makes it a point many times throughout the movie to point out to you that like these zombies or whatever they're doing what they know they're doing they're doing what they remember and all that shit right so clearly bam he remembers that they walled this up and that they're up there right so that they, they don't hide the intention he's going straight mm-hmm. for them even though he's a mindless zombie he still knows enough to know that they're up there but also by the same by the same token what uh connection does the hari krishna have to that uh <laughs> no. now the, the hari krishna zombie he was just smart because <laughs> he actually like you could see him like watching them and paying attention and he, he figured it out you could see it right the way he's yeah the way he's acting and everything yeah well you know also he probably if he really wanted to be stealthy he could have chucked that tambourine, though. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't really think this through, zombie Harry. Nah, uh, you know, a little <laughs> zombie logic. It leads me to one of my one of my main questions, though, is why the hell would this room in this mall exist, anyways? Like, why in a mall is there like this hidden room with like MREs and, <laughs> and spam, cans of spam and shit? Like, what mall has the survival room already kind of set up? Well, if you remember in uh, Chopping Mall, they did have that control room. With, mm. um, <laughs> now, granted, it was a security control room. Yeah, but this uh, wasn't like that was like yeah. downstairs in the boiler room kind of thing. Yeah, it wasn't like, like didn't have like, like random MREs. And, yeah, <laughs> this is a random empty room up near a skylight at the top of the mall that just happens to have all the shit you need to survive. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, you know, it's not like I hate this movie for these things. These are just fun things. It's just, yeah, it's funny to think about and funny to talk about. Yeah, like why, why would this room exist? But you know, you're glad it did, right? Because, (laughs) but you know, you accept the fact that this does exist. That gives them the perfect reason to stay. So I guess that was why he wrote it in. Like, well, this is, this is set up, right? Well, that and the fact that it's a nuclear mall. Yeah. Isn't that how they explain away why the power's still on? Oh, it must be nuclear. (laughs) I guess maybe they meant like it's, you know, it's powered by a nuclear plant somewhere nearby, so it hasn't gone out like some of the others. I don't know. Either way. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, along the same lines, like, why is there still ice on the ice rink? Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's, there's a lot of those things you can point out. Like, all right, I know this is a, you know, they've got the power on and it's fairly operational, I still don't know if the ice rink would stay frozen, 
you know, like there's these <laughs> random upkeep things that like just leaving the power on wouldn't keep that way, you know. Like you'd have to go out of your way to take care of this thing to to keep it that way. In reality, it's been outside nice skated because it was like the middle of December and the uh, the shots from the outside, which you don't see in the movie, but you see in Document of the Dead, it was just snow and ice everywhere in the parking lot. Yeah, when they were shooting inside the indoor scenes or whatever. Yeah, like we noted, I mean they they filmed this in the winter of '77 going into '78, so yeah, I'm sure it was cold enough for sure. Yeah, and um, extras who actually appeared in the film they were given, uh, you know. A uh, fairly ample conver- uh, compensation. compensation. Yeah, they were um, uh, $1 in cash, oh. uh, a donut, and a Dawn of the Dead t-shirt. <laughs> Dude, I would take that. Dude, that t-shirt is worth more than any of that, you know, Then, right? I mean, like, that that has to be a massive amount of money at this oh, point. Yeah. If any of them kept it, which I doubt. You know how that goes. No. <laughs> They probably didn't, you know, didn't realize what they had. Uh, you They're never like, know. Ah, you you never know what, you know, those kind of things that what <laughs> no. you're doing until it's over. Uh, you never do. Uh, so uh, I gave it to like niece or whatever, their little sister. But hey, you know, you got that Dawn of the Dead shirt. Not that I really want. Is it in your closet still? Yeah. Uh, can, can I go grab? Yeah. It? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you saw that T-shirt in the that you're talking about in the Document of the Dead. You see a lot of them wearing that, uh, which is yeah, it was a cruise. Yeah, which isn't completely unlike, say, like the normal Dawn of the Dead T-shirt kind of look, you know, with that that zombie or whatever, but like the, the writing on it is a little different. So it, you know, it, it doesn't look quite like the poster, but close enough, but still it would, yeah, that would be cool to have your hands on one of those for sure. Speaking of the seventies, pregnant and smoking, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. And, um, was it, uh, Peter, Peter offered to give her an abortion. He's like, yeah, I know yeah, how to yeah, do it. I know how to do that. Well, good <laughs> Lord. I guess. They, <laughs> why do you have, course, in the spot why do you have this skill set? That's terrible. I know how to do it. Yeah, you just drink this Lysol. No, you just, you just drink, you got a coat hanger? Yeah. <laughs> Even worse. No, no, no. Even worse. He, he just don't he wear them all. Remember, his, his granddad was a priest in Trinidad. Oh, yeah. I guess, they, I guess they leave. They give you enough context clues to figure out how he might have been known to do this, but still, like that's a that's a weird skill set. And not only that, <laughs> say it with a straight face. You know, it's, I know how to do it. Yeah. You need that done? <laughs> That that you know yeah the way it's framed it's like he does this a lot. He's just well, he said it's not even that out of boarding. It's not that <laughs> Damn. Um. So when Roger gets bit by a zombie, like what I think it's on his arm and his leg or whatever, and then like yep. he's all bandaged up and shit, and then they attack him again in the mall, and he's climbing into the bottom of that car or the back of that car, and then the zombie just happens to grab his leg and dig right into that same. <laughs> You talk about the gore score and everything later on, right? Smoke like that's yeah. one of those ones you're like, oh fuck, you know? Yeah, that's like, that's one of those wincing things that you uh, uh, you gotta love those when you see them. I mean, you hate them when, at first when you see it because you like you feel it, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah I love some Fulci movies and all that stuff we talked about, you know. But yeah, you feel that one and uh, oh yeah, that car too. That was a VW, was it a Scirocco or something Scirocco. like that. Yeah, <laughs> Scirocco. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. They got that car from the dealership. A local dealership let them borrow it. They taught the dealership in the living and them just, I guess they didn't even pay anything for it. They said, hey, we need it for this. And they said, oh, cool. It's going to be in a movie. Okay, yeah. We'll do it. yeah. And, and then they, and you know, you see they fucked that car in various scenes. Right? And as is perfect of the time, it's a hatchback. <laughs> yeah, and everything was a hatchback. Yeah, yeah. They, they, this thing, I don't know. They turned it back in but as what as it ended up with dents and all kind of stuff in it. And they're like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, now that car is worth, you know, tens of thousands of dollars because it was the screen-used car from Dawn of the Dead. 
Somebody might have that in a junkyard somewhere and not even know it. And I'm pretty yeah. sure they didn't, they, uh, you know, the mall that let them use the mall for what, it, you know, they paid them. They paid them a little bit, but he said that the mall didn't make any real profit off of it. You know, they just, they got some money kicked back and they were fine with that. But uh, I'm sure they didn't know that they're going to be riding motorcycles and cars around in there. <laughs> and the, in the stores themselves, not much less the hallways and everything, you know. What did we all think of the uh, Savini uh, motorcycle gang raid scene? Just that whole bit. Really fucked up a good thing. Huh? I like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. They did fuck up the good thing, but, but that whole scene is pretty awesome. When they, when they, you know, the movie's going along good. And you're like, you're, you're, you know, feeling the characters and everything. Yeah, they're, they're, they're making it. You know, even though some of them died off or you know, but they're making do. And then the, then the bikers come and this chaos ensues. But that is a cool scene though. That whole, yeah. the, all those scenes with the bikers. And there's a lot of, cor- and there's a lot of corny shit in that scene too, like the pie, the pie face <laughs> shit with the zombies. Yeah. <laughs> And and the sombrero guy that insist, <laughs> that insists on getting his blood pressure checked, <laughs> especially at the end, because he's like, <laughs> yeah, like the first time was okay. You're everybody's clowning okay, around, right. okay. Yeah. But the second time he's like, no, I'm gonna do this shit, and he shoves his arm in there, and of course the zombies just rip his rip him away from his arm. I say that because his arm's still in it, and then yeah. of course like typical comedy spin it. The, the machine still does it, like squeeze, <laughs> get blood pressure check, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, zero. I, mean, <laughs> I think it's, it, it is uh, a, a good comic relief bit in a horrible, horrible situation, though. Like, I think that's one thing Romero does well in a lot of his movies is like, this is a horrible, god awful situation of pure terror and horror, but there'll always be some element of comedy to it somewhere in there, right? Kind of somewhat maybe lighten the mood up a little bit. And more so in some than others, you know, creep show, <laughs> even more humor and creep show and even more the comic book feel. But, uh, but it's there and just about, yeah. in every one of his movies is there somewhere. Now we, we know now that there was an alternate ending, right? Uh, smoke. Do you mm. care to explain what the alternate ending supposedly was going to be? Yeah, this has been in, uh, <laughs> this has been an ongoing conversation with people for years, ever since they heard, about there being a, an alternate ending. And it's uh, the original ending, really. In the script he wrote was uh, a bleak, tragic ending where uh, Peter, you know, at the end, Peter, go, he, he's, you think he's going to kill himself because he tells Fran to take off. You go, I don't want to go. And then she goes up on the roof, gets in the chopper, and he goes in one of the rooms that they're, you know, we're holed up in up there up in the upstairs part of the mall. And he puts the gun towards his head, and you hear the zombies starting to try and break in and all that. So you think, He's going to do it. He's going to off himself. And then, then what's going to happen with Fran? But, but then in the way, in the version that was filmed, he doesn't, he decides, no, I'm going to push through these zombies and he gets up to the roof and then they fly off into the dawn. <laughs> and, uh, so that was the different ending, right? The original ending was he does shoot himself in the head. Fran's up on the roof waiting for him, hoping that he's really going to change his mind and come up there. That part's kind of like was in the other version too. She's waiting for him a little bit, waiting for him. Right. And then I guess she realizes, she, you know, he's not going to come. So then she, starts to take off right but then he does come out in the the version that was filmed so in the version where he shoots himself then she's just sitting there waiting for him waiting for him she realizes he's not coming then she thinks well what am i going to do i have no reason to really live so then she commits suicide by (laughs) chopping her head off in the in the in the helicopter blades she just puts her head up in the blades and that was it killing effectively killing her and the baby because you know she's still pregnant at this point so that was a really bleak Really super bleak ending, yeah. but uh, so he decided, no, you know, I put them through hell in this movie. You know, Night of the Living Dead had that bleak ending. 
And he just decided, no, I, I don't want to do that to these characters that have been, that made it this far and everything. So I'm going to let them, you know, live. And he did the, the quote unquote happy ending. <laughs> as happy as it can be in a zombie apocalypse. At least those two, they fly off into the sunrise. I saw something where apparently that's where the scene of the guy, of the, the zombie getting his head chopped off. That was because they had the rig ready for her. And they just said, well, yeah. like, fuck, let's, we've already, we're already ready to do this. Let's just change it and use it for this. Oh, that's but a good point. Yeah. That's why it looks kind of weird on this guy, because I think it was kind of made up for her. And they're just like, nah, let's just well, change, change the hair or whatever the hell they did and then put it on this guy and then do it, you know. That's part of the controversy that went on is, like, if you watch that document of the dead, Romero, they, you know, they show a screen, a screenshot of the script. And they're not even talking about the ending of the movie, because at this point, when the document of the dead was made, they were still shooting the movie. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they show the last page of the script, they're talking about Romero's writing style and how he has the script marked up and all this. But you see it on the script there where it says that she puts her head up in the blades and kills herself. And then, you know, later on in the documentary, he's talking, Romero's talking to Roy Frumkis and, uh, and he's discussing the ending of the movie. And he goes, yeah, we, yeah, we had the bleak ending. We shot that. And then, but we decided to change it. So that point when he said we shot it, that's been like a point of contention for fans forever. They've, you know, there's been arguments over, like, did he really shoot it or did he not shoot it? And then later on, Romero said that he didn't shoot it. I, I guess he maybe misspoke. Yeah, I think like one thing I saw pointed out about that was there were certain aspects of it that were shot that you see. Like, you know, the fact that he does put the gun up to his head, right? That alludes to uh, he's about to do it. In that version, he did it. And then in that scene yep. where she gets out of the chopper and like stands up to look to see where he's at, yep. uh, that was supposed to yep. lead into her just saying, fuck it, and, and then raising her head up and, you know. So yeah, certain aspects of it I mean, were shot that they just kind of reuse, or you know, yeah. repurposed. But maybe, maybe he was thinking of that whenever. Well, well, the weird thing too is that when you talk, when you start to think about it, this is in the dead of them shooting the movie. He's he's it's 1978 and he's shooting the film and he's saying that they shot that footage. So you would think he would remember that shit if he just you know he, they're just making the movie right now. So so that was kind of that's where I guess the the controversy is over that. So people are saying, oh yeah, this footage is out there somewhere and it just hasn't shown up yet. So. <laughs> Even I, I personally don't think it's shot. I don't think that part. I think it's like you said. They shot certain elements of it. Yeah, and they didn't. You finish. know, script, but they changed it around before like they you got. Said, to the that, that's stage. also a big <laughs> scene to shoot and then not remember that you did it. I mean, that would be that's not a minor undertaking, you know, to have yeah. that happen. So it's probably odds are if it did get shot, it's it ended up in that trash can that's right next to him. When you see you see that shot of Romero in the editing room, and there's like a trash can. Yeah. Right there. I was sitting there thinking, like, oh, my God, just to have the, the snippets from that trash can right there. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was talking about earlier, that his editing, it's just amazing to see. I love seeing footage of him in the editing room, but yeah. you don't see a whole lot of it. But various interviews, because they know his editing style, you'll see it in his interviews somewhere. They'll you know, just show him in that, like, editing reel with just leader and shit everywhere. And, like, yeah. and how the hell does he know this over here is and that over there is? I mean, they're just random strips hanging. And he barely holds it up to light. Oh, okay. And he's on to the next scene. That is the one good thing about the way things are done now. Like as far as like if something's not shot on film, like it's all done digitally, at least now it can be saved, right? Like back then it was literally like, well, there was literally a cutting room floor with a trash can and the shit, it went in the trash can and went away, you know? So at least now there can be like five, 10, 15 years later, digitally, you can go back and take these scenes and put them back in and stuff like that. Whereas, and the old ways, just well, we were lucky enough to have kept this, this, you know. Yeah, yeah, you were, and there's a lot of movies that they go back to the MPAA, you know, they gave the rating for it. They had to cut some stuff out, and they never put it back in back then because they didn't think 
Yeah. Did anybody care to see the uncut version on VHS? I mean, a, cu- a couple of companies, a couple of movies did put the uncut version out later, but most of our, most of the time they didn't. So it's just a, an amazing feat that they managed. They, they kept this footage. Yeah. A lot of them didn't. Many of them did keep it, and thankfully we've had some uncut versions of movies come out yeah, recently we're, that, that, we're, that we're glad and had stuff trimmed out. We're all glad they did, and and here we are, so we can keep talking about it for forever and ever, and watch it forever and ever. So. I guess, really, I mean, unless there was something else you guys wanted to add in, I guess we can go ahead and get to the nitty-gritty here. Um, Will, we'll let you go first. What, what's your uh, thoughts and what's your uh, star rating on this bad boy? Oh, man. I mean, this is uh, th- th- this movie's up there for me. Uh, I-, I love this one. And honestly, I don't think I actually sat down and watched the whole thing until after I had seen the remake in 04. But then, like, going back and watching this, I think me and you, uh, Josh, got to go see this at a... Uh, yeah, with a Q&A. Uh, at a, yeah, a Q&A with Romero, yeah. so that was pretty cool. Um, uh, for me, I'm probably going to go four and a half on this one. All right, Donnie, what do you say? Real quick, before we uh, kind of, uh, what did uh, what did we rate Night of the Living Dead? Yeah, I think that, that does bear some uh, uh, repeating. Uh, Donnie, you gave it four and a half, uh, and so did Smoke and I, four and a half stars. And Will, you gave that one four and a quarter, so uh, with that in mind. Uh, yeah, I just want to make sure I'm uh, rating this uh, yeah. properly. I do like this a little better than um, uh, Night of the Living Dead. They're still, you know, great movies. Um, there's not really a wasted moment uh, for me. Uh, you know, you see them hold up in this room. Uh, they're playing cards, you know, trying on stuff in the shops. Uh, just kind of taking moments to be normal. And, you know, they get bored. Uh, but, you know, we never do. Um you know, if if there's a detractor at all, uh, you know, it's pretty minor. It's, um, it, you know, I'm kind of with, you know, Savini. I, I didn't didn't really like how the uh, the zombies kind of look blue. It just didn't really kind of jive, you know, to me uh, at all. It just kind of looked a little bland in their their look. You know, we've already discussed how uh, uh, Stephen and Roger. You know, Stephen's got the best shuffle. Um, you know, Rogers got the best look. Um, hindsight, it's undefeated. You know, it's uh, kind of hard to fault uh, fault him for that. But um, uh, kind of ended on a on a high note. Um, you know, this is one of the best horror movies ever made. Um, you know, certainly in my opinion, the best zombie movie ever. Um, and that's going to reflect in my rating. I'm going, uh, I went four and a half on Night of the Living Dead. I'm going four and three quarters on Dawn of the Dead. Professor? Oh, yeah, I don't think there's any much secret, <laughs> especially to get to this point, how the, how important this movie was to me. So uh, uh, echoing both Will and Donnie's sentiments on uh, on how important of a movie it is to horror and to zombie genre or to zombie subgenre. Uh, and it, before I get to the rating, yes, it is my favorite zombie movie. Uh, the zombies themselves, as Donnie said, the blue makeup, I, you know, coming up with this movie and then watching, you know, take day of the dead after that. Cause, uh, when I saw this movie it was 85 and I hadn't seen day of the dead yet, but day of the dead had come out. It just came out in 85. So, uh, I pretty much went after I saw dawn of the dead. I think the next zombie movie I rented from the video store was day of the dead. And you could see a big change in the effects from those zombies from dawn. And I like the dawn, zombies in dawn because, they're very 70s. They, they have that 70s feel. And the, the zombie makeup, by the time you get to Day of the Dead, definitely has that updated 80s splatter movie vibe to it because Savini's effects work had exponentially grown by that time so that 
even the zombies in the backgrounds of shots in Day of the Dead had some pretty sophisticated zombie makeup going on. A bit more realistic, I guess. But I don't have a problem with the zombies in Dawn because of that. I, it's just that first movie for me that kicked it off. Even though I know the shortcomings of the zombie makeup, it still uh, just has a 70s vibe to me. When I watch it, you just feel like it's you know straight-up 70s movie. And then the Goblin soundtrack helps that. Uh, the effects work. As I mentioned of Savini, the gore effects were state-of-the-art at the time. That headshot, you know, gun, head explosion, shotgun scene, right off the bat. Then you get that, you know, they're down in the basement where they're jumping all the bodies and the button they're eating parts down there and everything. And then, so you just, yeah, then also the, uh, in the apartment complex, so we didn't really talk about it, but the, the one guy who, like, I guess is his wife, right? His wife breaks through, and she does, she's she's not putting it together. He's a zombie. She's like, oh, you know, and she goes to hug him. Oh, and yeah. He takes a chunk right out of his neck, her collar. It looks like he, he's taking neck. like a, a bite of, of cake. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And then then run, he grabs her arm and takes a chunk out of her arm, and then they blast his head. You know, shoot him through the head, and his head, you know, splatters on the back of the wall. I mean, he just keeps going. Like, yeah. bam! That first scene, you don't get much room to breathe until you get to the mall. Or until you, yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much until you get to the mall because. They leave there and they go straight out no, no, to, to the field to put some fuel in the helicopter. And then you got the yeah. stuff that happens there. The kids, which was fucked up scene. The got a plaid shirted zombie. Oh, yeah. Remember yeah. that, too. And that was even we didn't really talk about that. But that was some, a moment of humor slash whatever. Whenever uh, Flyboy was shooting at the zombie, you know, shooting at all those zombies out there. And he wasn't hitting them in the head because he realized that's what he needed to do, I guess, yet or whatever. And then uh, Rogers, like, you know, knocks a gun up and like, Shoots him in the head. So, and then the scene with the uh, plaid zombie as he's going in the after, after uh, who's Ken Forey's actor's name? See, as many times as I've seen this movie, you think I know Peter. the goddamn name, their Peter. characters? You know? <laughs> yeah, no, Peter. So, Peter. I get confused. So. Peter. Yeah. Uh, after he just killed the kids, and now this other zombie's coming after him, and then you know you got Flyboy shooting him. You know, bullets are whizzing in the room, and he's jumping out the way, and then shoots that zombie through the head and like you said all the way he through, goes out there it, it just never so, stops hey. it's, it's one violent thing after another it just never stops they get to the mall and then there's a little bit of breathing space there until they start you know things start happening then and then again it's like straight into death and, <laughs> and destruction and stuff and then right to the motorcycle gang and then so it's yes yeah, one thing after another as far as it doesn't get time to really get boring and even donnie i think you said you watched the uncut version or well i call uh, it the uncut. extended cut extended yeah and that version you didn't get really bored with, and that one has more characterization and stuff going, exposition going on than the theatrical version because it's yeah. a, a good, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes worth more stuff. Basically characterization, a little bit of gore. But yeah, even that cut doesn't get boring. And then if you watch the, uh, you know, you got three or four different versions, and I, I know I didn't mention this yet, but uh, there was a, the version I saw back in black market VHS days I've mentioned before where you do the tape ordering, tape trading through the mail thing. They had put together a composite print, which was even longer than that un that that new version that supposedly the producers cut, the one that Donnie watched. And they they got all these bits and pieces from the Italian one, bits and pieces from a German release that there was a little bit of footage that wasn't in the American one or any of the other cuts. And they they, they Frankenstein this this composite the dead print they called it, and it was terrible as far as like this shot looks like cleaner than this one. This came from some generation like fifth or sixth seventh generation loss or whatever, and so they cobbled this thing together with all kinds of different terrible edits and stuff but even that version i watched the hell out of because it was the, the longest version that you could find you know so uh, no matter what version it is you can get some enjoyment out of it and uh for me this is my this is my favorite horror movie so 
And that's a personal thing just from that time of me watching it. And yes, I can, I can see that there's other movies that people would say, no, this is better than Dawn Dead. This, I know that I realize that, but still it's a personal thing for me, this movie. So, uh, I can't go any lower than five stars on it. Yeah, and I'm not going to try to argue with you. I'm going to give out my first five stars. I mean, it, to me, it's it's uh, it's the perfect marriage of gore and and suspense and and you know thriller, horror, and comedy. You know, it's perfect. It's perfectly laid out. I mean, the only thing that can make it more perfect would be like you know just being able to upgrade it to current standards, right? Like. They're limited. It's only limitations are the fact that it was made in 1978. But mm-hmm. past that, I mean, you take this and you update update it. I mean, like, I don't know if it necessarily makes it better. It just looks better. You know, so I think it's the perfect marriage of all these things. The perfect Romero movie. As much as I like Night of the Living Dead, this one's better. And he, he could never quite capture this again. Um, this is his... Uh, Mona Lisa, right? However you want to frame it. I think this is his perfect movie. Um, so I can't, like Smoke said, I can't go any lower than five. So it's <laughs> well-deserved. And uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm, I just looked at it. This will be the highest consensus score we've ever given any movie that we've done here on the Spook Show. It gets nope. 4.81 stars. Yeah, well-deserved. Uh, yeah. And and now, granted, that, that beats out Jaws that we did on episode 35, and now Donnie hasn't had a chance to give his thoughts on Jaws, mm-hmm. but I seriously doubt he's going to think that much different about Jaws <laughs> than we did. I mean, you're talking about mm-hmm. some seminal uh, flicks there, you know, when you're getting yeah. into this territory. But, yeah, there you go. Connections. <laughs> Uh, gotta let it finish uh, all right so uh um if you're just joining us uh with uh crypt connections what we do is we uh we connect this current movie uh the the current movies episode by any uh cast and crew connections to past spook show episodes and in this episode we've already alluded to it um with galen ross uh, on the cast side uh, Galen Ross was also in, um, we covered, uh, past book show episode, creep show and madman. And also Tom Savini, uh, also on the cast side, uh, was also in creep show and Friday the 13th. Mm. Now that's on the cast side on the crew side, uh, Tom Savini again, uh, with, uh, uh special effects for Friday the 13th invasion USA and the burning. So all of those uh, Spook Show episodes can be found in our archives. Uh, you can go to com and go over to our archive section and uh, check those out. We'll move on to the next little bit here. Kill. Go for it, Willie. Uh, so on this one, I want to do it a little bit differently. Usually I try to go through each kill. There were just way too many on this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I ended up having to uh, uh, go online to uh, uh, fandom and looking at their wiki death. Uh, wiki 176, death. <laughs> 176 total kills. 149 of those were zombies. Uh, 27 were humans. Uh, I think we've done a pretty good job throughout the podcast of kind of you know highlighting some of the special ones. Yeah, and it's... it's, it's um... Well, we'll discuss the gore right now. 
Gore Score. Oh, you gotta, you gotta love it. I know I love it. Whenever you finally get some juicy ones like this come down the pipe. So, <laughs> so uh, we've already discussed pretty much most, most everything. I mean, and, and Savini's masterful effects in here, as far as the, uh, you know, yeah, the zombies were what they were at the time. He did what he could do, but as far as the gore effects, man, they were, they were top notch for 1978. Uh, some of the, even just some of the little things that were probably, I mean, I don't know that Savini came up with this, but he probably just took it from prior, you know, stage things and whatnot but uh little things like machetes where the where with the there's like a round circle cut out so that when you put it on a leg or you put it on a head it looks like the blade is in the head it's just simple illusions like that combined with romero's editing style though like that one zombie where he uh where he's you know he knocks him down because you know he's in the acting scene where he's playing the mo the bike rider and then the zombie's on the ground and he takes a machete and like you know s slashes him in the head with it just simple things like putting the machete on the head with the cutout in it and then pulling it back and then shooting that in reverse, you know, running it in reverse. It looks like you're, you're hacking him in the head, you know, but just simple things like that. And then with the blood tubes running up the machete and all that, uh, the helicopter little gags and stuff. I know that he and Romero, they loved working together because they come up with gags together as far as like, cause Savini said when he got the, the shooting script or before the shooting script, when he got the call from Romero said, Hey, you ready for another one? We got something. It's called, you know, go ahead with Dawn of Death. So start thinking of ways to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they would come up with these things together and different gags or whatever. And so that's how things like the helicopter gag would come up, come up too, as far as uh, just these things that they would get together and think of interesting ways to kill people. Yeah. And a lot of, <laughs> a lot of the better movies. ones and more brutal ones are in, are in that uh, motorcycle, you know, gang scene. You know, where they're just coming in and just, you know, fucking hitting them with the sledgehammers, machetes. Like, I think there's one where they're just sawing a dude's head off. Like, you know, it's all kinds of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just yeah, there is yeah. the, uh, the one that right before Savini gets. Well, now, we didn't mention this, too, I guess. You know, I know this is the Gore Score, but I guess we should mention this before I forget about it. Was uh, Savini did that stunt. He did a lot of stunts in the movie. But the, the main, the big one was when he gets killed as the actor Blaze. You know, and he's uh, right above the second floor railing. And uh, Ken Forey's up there coming out the roof at the vent, you know, the, the duct, the AC duct or whatever. And he's got the gun. And he, he shoots him. And then Savini takes a dive off of the second floor down to the bottom, right? So uh, yeah. they, they had basically mattresses and, and cardboard boxes <laughs> down there. And then Savini's like, yeah, I'll do it. And so he just jumps, flips off, and then lands on them. And uh, I guess one time he sort of halfway missed where, you know, like I said, all they had was some cardboard, empty cardboard boxes with some mattresses thrown on top to catch them. So. <laughs> So he, he kind of hurt himself a little bit, I guess, on one of the one of the uh, one of the takes that they were doing when he was jumping off of there. So, but it pays off, I think. Whenever you, when you see this movie, like in you know, he's like standing in that sidecar on the motorcycle with a machete, and he chopped, he decapitates one of the zombies, right? I mean, yeah, there's chaos going on and gore with this uh, the bike riding scene. And one scene also we didn't mention was the the gut munching. <laughs> you oh, know, whenever yeah. they pulled yeah. the stomachs open and then. Uh, Oh, yeah. and that one reminded me. That one might, reminded me directly of Night of the Living Dead, where there was a similar mm. scene to that. You remember where they're pulling the yeah, guts out? Yeah. And... yeah, this one is just a bit even more juicier yeah. because oh, yeah. Yeah. first of all, it's in color, and second of all, I guess he had more entrails and things. You know, <laughs> you know the body kind of they tear this fake stomach open, and there's like animal entrails that he got from a slaughter local slaughterhouse. And uh, I, I think he said one of the other guys washed them really good. They got these animal intestines, so he washed them to get all the <laughs> all the nasty, slimy goo stuff off of it or whatever, right? So they're very clean intestines when they come out of there. Say thanks, buddy. 
and the zombies are like fighting over and eating them and all this. And some of the other actors, I remember Christine uh, Romero's wife was saying like she couldn't believe all the actors that wanted to eat. You know, they wanted to be on camera eating the intestines and stuff, <laughs> just because you know the screen time yeah. you know, of them yeah. that one or whatever. So that stuff had to be discussed. Had to be nasty as hell taking a bite out of some raw <laughs> intestines that had been sitting there for a while. Who knows? But but that, but it definitely pays off in the gore department. So uh, uh, Chaz Balin, who the, the gore score is named after, gave this uh, movie a ten on the gore score meter, and that's definitely what it deserves. Yeah, I mean, we've given a few tens out, but this is, I don't know how many. It's got to be maybe three. Not a whole lot, but we've given a few out. This one definitely deserves it, though. Yeah, I want, by my records, I want to say this is the fifth. fifth oh, we're getting five, four, four more? <laughs> yeah, because you gave ten to the Evil Dead, ten to Death, oh, yeah. De- uh, Deathgasm, uh, Terrifier, and Reanimator. Those are the Those are the tens. Oh well. But now, well now we're getting a judge of the benchmark of what a ten mm. is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, true. You're, you're starting <laughs> to get start beyond that. Yeah, we haven't <laughs> done a lot. Like, I mean, that's out of a, a you know, what this is 133rd episode, so 100 and something movies. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's only been five tens so far, so yeah, that, that should tell you something. But yeah, I, I guess that's uh well, that'll pretty much put a wrap on Dawn of the Dead. I mean, we, we could literally this is one of those ones like when we did Jaws or The Shining or something where we could literally go on for hours. There's so much background stuff and so much that you just we just all just love about this movie and i think our uh, high consensus rating uh tells the tale on that one for sure but next week we return back to cannon fodder for masters of the universe from 1987 so we all nominated something we did a little uh private wheel spin and uh this is the one that we landed on this is one that we i think we've put up for vote or something before and now we're finally getting yeah. around to it uh, over on IMDb, the synopsis is the heroic warrior He-Man battles against the evil Lord Skeletor and his armies of darkness for control of Castle Grayskull. Now, that sentence in and of itself is utter nonsense. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know anything about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, you're like, what the fuck did he just read? <laughs> well, come back next week and we'll try to explain it as best we can. So uh, I guess that's it for uh, Dawn of the Dead. Come back next week for Cannon Fodder. Go visit aaspookshow.com. Check out everything that we've been doing over on YouTube. Patreon.com slash aaspookshow. Public, All the cool things that we got going on in the Spook Show universe. So for Will, Donnie, Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Podcast. And we'll talk to you next week for Masters of the Universe. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.